Hello, hello, my name is Michael, and I welcome you to What's Your Career, where careers are examined one at a time. I get to welcome Cooper Brown today. Cooper is an entrepreneur with two businesses that he operates full-time, and he is not even 30. How cool is that? Really, though, doesn't everybody one day want to, quote, work for themselves? Cooper took the jump in 2020 and decided to leave his full-time job to pursue his then side hustle. That jump has led into opening a new business, becoming extremely profitable, and growing at a speed that even Cooper couldn't envision. Cooper shares loads of advice for getting started as an entrepreneur, and if you are on the fence about getting your own business started, listen closely. This episode struck a chord with me, and I believe it can really influence your life as well. Let's welcome Cooper Brown. Cooper Brown, it is so nice to have you on the podcast. How are you? I'm doing great, Michael, and I'm excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Awesome. Well, tell me a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. So I, my name's Cooper Brown. Um, I was born and raised in Southern California in Ventura County, Simi Valley, and I moved to Utah for school, which is where I met my wife uh, during my senior year of college. She actually cut my hair at a hair salon, <laughs> and uh, we now have one baby who just turned a year old. And I'm a full-time entrepreneur for the past year, and, and life is grand. Life is great. Awesome. Full-time entrepreneur. I am excited to dig into that. Thank so how long, how long have you been working, I guess, as a professional? Yeah, so I graduated from, from college in 2017. Um, however, I started my business, which I still run today, when I was 16 years old. So that was back in 2009 was when I started my business. So a lot of, you know, kids grow up, you know, working at the grocery store at the fast food places and so forth in high school. I actually started my business in high school and that's been my main gig ever since. Awesome. So you've got a lot of experience for being fairly young. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I would say so. It's, it's been really exciting and I've definitely learned from uh, great success stories, but also lots of uh, big mistakes as well. Well, that's that's the only way to learn, right? You got to fail if you're going to get better. Exactly. Um, so, with your current job, with your with your entrepreneur, you know, business that you set up, how would you rate your job function from one to ten? One being, you know, terrible, and ten would be the dream job. Uh, I would say ten, absolutely, and uh, yeah, ten for sure. <laughs> you are living the dream job. That's awesome. And at, at a young age too, that's even more impressive. You know, it's one thing for a 50 year old to, you know, finally get their dream job, but it's another thing when somebody in their twenties is able to really say that they're living the dream. So yeah, well done. I, I agree. I, I feel very blessed. Awesome. So are you also very happy in your job on a scale of one to 10? How happy are you? I would say nine. Um, I don't say 10. I think nine's great, but the the challenging part about being an entrepreneur is that you carry a lot of stress and a lot of work on your shoulders at all times. So when you have a, you know, eight to five job, once you're done at work, you know, you can be done. Um, and your Saturdays and your Sundays can be yours for your family. But when you have your own business, you know, you have to run it and it's your baby and the success of it lies on your shoulders. And so that's why I say a nine is because I'm not super a big fan of, always having to look out for my business. If, if I didn't have to do that, then I would say a 10. So how would you get there maybe while still running your business? Is it, Can you get to a 10 out of 10 on the happiness scale? Yeah, I think so. I think it has to do with scaling and, and growing my team and, and having people on my team who I trust to run 
those really important parts of my business so that I can go on a vacation, not have to work or so I can, you know, be with my family on the weekend and not have to worry that clients aren't getting taken care of. Um, and that's something that I'm still working towards. Awesome. Well, I'm sure you'll get there in no time at all. Um, <laughs> so, all right. Yeah. Last question before we kind of open up to discussion. Uh, did you get a college degree and in what, and did you get any advanced degrees? Great question. So I did get um, my bachelor's degree from BYU. I studied business strategy. So that's in their business program. And there wasn't really any other major that really talked to me or spoke to me. I did like the entrepreneurship major, but I didn't feel like I needed to study entrepreneurship or to be an entrepreneur. And so the business strategy role of just learning how to grow a business, how to um, save a business if it's failing and just learning all of the great stories of some of the best brands and companies in the world was really pivotal and really helpful to kind of craft me into kind of the young entrepreneur that I am today. Well, that's great. That's great. You were able to identify a major that really stuck out to you, that really spoke to you, as you said. Um, and ultimately that's going to help you throughout your career. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of people out there that go get a degree just to get a degree, but it really wasn't meant for them or it's not necessarily going to help them in many ways because they didn't, they didn't, you know, connect with their degree. Uh, like oh, you did. I've, I've seen that even just four years out of graduating college, I've seen so many friends doing things totally different. And I think, uh, you know, it just took them a little bit of time to figure out what they loved and where their talents truly lied. And for me, the strategy program was a very broad program. Like I did not know what I wanted to do. I did not think at the time in college, even though I had my business already established for what is that was that nine years, I didn't ever think I'd take it full time. And so it's not even like I was doing that degree with the hopes of taking my business full time. It's kind of evolved into that. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that. Again, that's great that you were able to figure it out so early because yes, there are a lot of people, especially with the whole COVID situation and, you know, a lot of people working from home and just the work environment changing People are really uh, figuring out what they actually want to do. And for many people, it's the first time in their life after working for 10, 20, 30 years. Um, and in your case, uh, it was very quick, you know, that you were able to figure out what you actually want to do and, and make it work. So, um, so, you know, you own your own business. So promote it a little bit. What, what do you actually do? What's the name of your business? Let's, let's hear the scoop. Perfect. So I run two businesses. They're, they're independent of each other and both serve different clientele. So my first business is called One Above Entertainment, and it's a premier DJ company. So I have been DJing since I was 16. That's, that's about 13 years now. And I DJ everything from weddings to corporate events, to social events, to school events, to private events. And I serve some of the you know really high-end clientele here in Utah. We have a really cool market where we have couples who fly in from all over the country to have their wedding here in the mountains of Utah. And, and so I've been able to establish this business that I started when I was 16 in 2009. And now I have um, one other DJ who works for me. And I'm hoping to expand to other DJs so we can serve even more clients each weekend. And um, I have a part-time social media manager. I have a part-time office assistant. And then also my wife is our COO. And she really helps me a ton to stay on top of all of our businesses and all of our clientele. And really, she's the one who, who, who really helps me stay focused on our main mission. 
reaching our main goals. Um, so that's one above entertainment. Um, I love it. You mentioned earlier, like rating my job 10 out of 10. The reason why it's a 10 out of 10 is because literally I get paid to go to some of the most epic weddings, uh, coolest events ever, and I get to create the party. Like that is me. It's a big talent that I've really developed over the years. And I spent a lot of training, a lot of money. I've gone to seminars, I've gone to workshops, I've done tons and hundreds and hundreds of hours of learning um, to be able to really create epic events as a DJ and MC. Um, and I love it. It keeps me up at night because I'm so excited about it and things go, ext go extremely well. Um, I actually just won the Best of State Award for, which is a big award recognition here in Utah for those who aren't local. And I won Best Event DJ for 2021, um, as well as Best in, a, in Event Entertainment, which are two different categories. And it's pretty cool to see the success I've had being recognized, not only in the event industry, but also the Utah industry as a whole. Wow. Yeah, that's that's awesome that you're you're seeing such success. Um and and Utah, you're right. Utah is definitely a destination wedding for some. And there's also a lot of local weddings too. So it's a great market to tap into and it it's awesome that you've been able to um kind of show who you are in that market and, and really get the recognition that you've uh, worked so hard to achieve. So yeah. you mentioned that that is your first business. Now, what's your other business? <laughs> yeah, so you know, you mentioned earlier about people kind of finding what they love during the pandemic. That is something that also happened to me. So I'm sure we'll get into this later. But when I quit my day job, I was at a tech company, a wonderful tech company in a wonderful role. I loved my team. I quit my job to pursue DJing full time. And then six weeks later, COVID-19 came into the United States. And over the course of like two days, just completely changed the world. And all my events just kind of canceled on me for the next few months. And so in that downtime of me trying to figure out what to do to keep my family afloat, I realized there was a need for live streaming, for live streaming weddings, corporate events, um, company meetings, and not just live streaming, but multi-camera, you know, TV quality production. And so early 2020, I started Charisma Event Productions. And I named it Charisma because a lot of people tell me that I have a lot of charisma. And so it just kind of uh, worked out like that. And so our main two services is multi-camera live streaming. So think about when you watch a online um, you know, hybrid event. Maybe there's in-person people, but you also buy a ticket, let's say, to watch virtually because you don't want to travel to Florida or whatever it might be. I'm the person and my company and my team are the people who are switching all the cameras is bringing up the graphics and making all of that a really professional, smooth experience for everyone. Um, so that's the multi-camera live streaming part. And we've done everything from dance competitions to funerals to big corporate um, product launches to internal company meetings um, and to sports. I mean, everything. I actually just live streamed a semi-professional football game just, uh, just a few weeks back. Um, so that's the first kind of segment of our business is live streaming. And the second is really high tech lighting design. So it's, that's also in the event space. So basically imagine if you go to a um, company holiday event and that's really cool lighting all over the venue and that's what we do. And so to the business. Awesome. So the charisma event productions. Correct. Uh, and you've got you've got kind of those two branches within that company. And that, that all started 
uh, I guess a year and a half ago when COVID came into the world, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the lighting I had started to, I started doing probably a year earlier, um, and that's when my company was called Charisma Event Lighting. And then when COVID hit, I pivoted and I changed my company to Charisma Event Productions. That way, I could have you know a ton of different types of services underneath the same company, with live streaming being the leading service. Awesome. Okay, well we're going to we're going to dig into both of those companies a little bit and and they're related but they're obviously very different at the same time. But before we jump into that and what you actually do in your role, take me back to when you graduated college and you maybe got your first job. Um how did that happen and then how did you ultimately decide to to leave that job as you mentioned earlier? Great question. So I started working in a company a tech company called Lucid software um, and what we call Silicon Slopes here in Utah because there is really a huge booming tech industry out here in Utah. It's really exciting. In fact, I live in the city where a ton of tech companies are um, just like literally five minutes down the street from me. It's pretty exciting. And so I found Lucid Software because I was the, the president of the BYU Business Strategy Club and they were one of the companies that came in to do a competition with us. And at that time, Lucid Software wasn't a very big company, only like 300 employees. And so I didn't think anything of it. But uh, as the competition went on, and as I was talking to the VP of customer success, who was our main contact, I started to get intrigued about what they were doing and what the customer success role uh, entailed. And I had never even heard of customer success. I think that's something that you know has become really popular in the tech world over the past uh, decade or so. Um, and so I interviewed with them, got the job about six months before I graduated, which was a huge relief knowing that I had a job. And customer success was not my dream job. It was not like what I always wanted to be, but I knew it was a good general job that required a hard worker and a strategic thinker like myself. And so I worked there for three years and I loved it. I was on the customer success team working with a bunch of different great companies who used our product. Um, the main, main products were Lucid Chart, um, Lucid Press, and now a product called Lucid Spark. And I love the team. The culture there was so incredible. I worked with a bunch of other young people like myself. And uh, I love the tech culture. Man, the, the, I think the tech culture is really bleeding into other um, industries as well, not just tech. But the food in the kitchen, and the, the really flexible schedule, and the fun you know, office space was, was really, really cool. Awesome. So you worked there for, what, a year or two years or so? So I worked there for three years. And then, um, let's see, I, I quit in February of 2020, which was right before the pandemic. And literally in December, so just three months or two or three months earlier, all of a sudden I had this burning desire. I was like, whoa, I want to go full time with my DJ business. It's going so well. I'm making, I'm literally making just as much money DJing twice a week as I am working a full time 40, 45 hour a week job. And so, and that was a very, I kind of out of the blue thought that I had, I had never thought I'd go full time with my business because I honestly liked not having the pressure of having to, you know, make a certain income with my business and it could all just be side income. And so I thought I'd always keep it a side gig. Um, so I quit in February, 2020 and then six weeks later, the pandemic hit. So um, I was very optimistic and I, I thought the pandemic would just last a, a couple months, but then I got a call from my VP and he said, hey, Cooper, we're you here at Lucid Software. And if you wanted to come back and join our team until 
you know, the event industry can get back on its feet, you're welcome to do so. So that was a really cool thing to have my VP contact me and literally offer me the job back that I had left a month and a half earlier. <laughs> um, and so I took it. I took it because we, we were having our first baby. We wanted to buy a house. Uh, the world is very uncertain. And so I went back to my job and going back to the company that I had left to pursue, you know, because I left the company, not because it was a bad company, but because I wanted to pursue my dreams and what I really loved. That was hard. Like those eight months were awesome. I was so grateful to my VP and to my team but they were hard because my mind did not want to be there. My mind wanted to focus all my attention on my business and what I love doing. Yeah, that's tricky. And that could get very awkward if it's not the right type of culture. You know what I mean? It sounds like you were in a great culture and, and, you know, with a great company and great people around you that were accepting and loving and they didn't, they didn't see you leaving the company as a disservice to them. They probably congratulated you as you left to go, you know, pursue your dreams and the fact that they were able to invite you back just speaks to your character and it speaks to the company's, um, you know, the, the company culture as well. Uh, must have been a lot of good relationships to make that happen. But, you know, I'm sure you're very grateful that you were able to do that and, you know, still yeah. get that income and, and a little bit more experience under your belt. Uh, but wow, that yeah, that's that's really special, um, you know, to hear that story. Thank you. Yeah, no, it really, really was, you know honestly a miracle and uh, super grateful for my VP for believing in me. And all in all, I was at Lucid Software for three and a half years before I quit a second time, which not many people can say. I quit a, I quit my job a second time, um, which was what December 1st of 2020 to pursue um, both my companies, which the live streaming was really what took off because events were still not happening in full force for DJing, but the live streaming was doing so well that I knew I had to just go all in, focus all my attention on it. And I'm so glad I did that because the, the past year of having my live streaming business, the past year and a half, I should say now, has been absolutely phenomenal. It's been a great revenue generator. It's been an awesome business. And I'm glad that I that I took the risk and, and you know left my company when I did, even though my first company was not doing well, I believe my second company would would have a lot of success if I could focus all my attention on it. Yeah. Well, I want to dig into that now a little bit. I want to hear what you had to do to start this business. And and let's just specifically focus on Charisma Event Productions because that's the one that really has been taking off, live event mm-hmm. productions. So let's focus on that business a little bit and, and, and tell me a little bit about what you do. Um, how did you start this business? How do you spend your time and um, you know, what does it take to, to start a business and, and, you know, all of those things that, you know, a lot of us want to know. Yeah. So I would first off say that I think one of my strengths is that I love working hard and I am very business minded. So, you know, I, I'm always, you know, whenever I'm driving on the street or on the freeway and I see billboards, I'm always thinking about people's, you know, business models and their advertising. And that's, that's been something that's always intrigued me. Um, and so when I started Charisma Event Productions, I had the business, you know, aptitude, you could say. I had the business background, but I knew very little about cameras, about live streaming. I knew very little. Now, I'm your probably above average you know, a 28 year old right now who is, is pretty techie. Um, so above average in my 
you know, tech knowledge, you could say. But when I started this business, Michael, I had to literally learn the whole industry from the ground up. I had to learn how to use cameras, how to use video cameras, oh, yeah. um, how to use ISO and shutter speed um, and gain and everything in a way that really you know, brought crystal clear picture for my clients. And so the first thing that I did is I did tons of research. I was on all the Facebook forums, all the website forums. I was reaching out to professional live streamers or production companies all across the country and Canada. Um, and I just asked people if I could talk to them for a half hour. And I'd pick their brain on how they built their business, what products they were using. And that was really what I did the first six months was just learn the industry, learn the technical you know, requirements of what I needed to do in order to successfully live stream all the events that I wanted to live stream. Yeah. That, I mean, that makes sense. You got to learn from somebody, so you might as well learn from the best. Learn who, learn from those who are doing it on a daily basis, right? Yeah, and and what's interesting about that, Michael, is I've learned that people love talking about things that they're interested in, right? So I would reach out to these people and say, "Hey, you're you run a great production company. Can I pick your brain sometime while you're driving in the car? I'd love to know how you got to where you are today." And literally everyone was like, yeah, sounds good, Cooper. And so if anybody is trying to you know, gain more knowledge about a subject or an industry or whatever it might be, don't be afraid to reach out to people on LinkedIn, on Facebook, whatever it might be, and briefly introduce yourself and say, hey, you're really interesting. What you've created is really interesting. Is there any way I could get 15 minutes on your calendar to just understand how you got where you're at? And I think you'll be really amazed at how many people will agree to talk to you who's a stranger to them because they love talking about what they love and they're happy to share their experience with you. I absolutely agree with that comment. I've, I've had similar situations where I've been interested in learning something and yeah, I'll just, I'll find somebody on LinkedIn say, Hey, uh, we have this one thing in common and you know, that put us in connection. And then I reach out and I say, Hey, I'm interested in learning about what you do. And everybody, everybody is always excited to talk about themselves. I mean, I think <laughs> yes, it's yeah. natural, right? It's natural to talk about ourselves. We, you know, we're proud of what we do. We want to, you know, we're happy to share with other people. And so that is, that's absolutely true. And that's a great piece of advice for anybody listening to this podcast that wants to break into some sort of industry. Go talk to somebody. They'll talk to you back. As long as you're respectful, reasonable, kind, you know, people will, people will help you out a lot more. Uh, than maybe what you think. So great piece of advice there, Cooper. Um, okay, so you um, so you talked to people. You researched for six months, and you knew this is what you wanted to do. And then, I guess, what were some of your first actual steps to to creating a business, buying equipment? Uh, how did all of that look? So the first thing that I did is I leveraged my current network of people that I knew. So in the DJ world, you know, you have your club DJs, uh, you have your wedding DJs. I'd probably say those are like your two kind of classifications of, of DJ industries. So I'm very heavy in the wedding industry. And so the first thing that I thought was to live stream weddings. And so I talked to a bunch of people to kind of figure out a really good live streaming solution that was all wireless, you know, really strong internet, no matter where I was at. And I found a great system that was very uh, unique. 
And then I reached out to the wedding venues, the wedding planners. I reached out to other DJs that I knew and I just let everyone know, hey, this is what I'm doing and it's awesome. And I'm pretty sure I'm one of the only people in Utah who's focusing on this. And so if there's any way I can help you out, a client out, please let me know. And so I had to really get out there and use my network of friends and colleagues just to let people know what I was doing. And so my first five or six events that I ever live streamed with my production company were weddings because that's where I had my ties. And then from weddings, I leaped into cheer competitions. And then from cheer competitions, I leaped into live streaming company meetings and product launches and workshops and sports and everything in between. Um, and it all stemmed from me just hustling to get every single gig and talking with people. And I think my first 15 gigs were all from networking. I don't think I haven't still paid for advertising. Um, I'm not a big believer in that, although I probably should. <laughs> um, I'm just believe in just natural, organic, you know, marketing, word of mouth. And that's how I've received most of my clients. Nice. Good for you. You haven't had to pay for much advertising. That's a statement I bet most business owners can't say. Well done. Yeah, you know, and I'm not sure if it's because I have so much going on, Michael, that I don't want to like, you know, invest the time and resources into figuring out how to do that. Um, so maybe that's a maybe that's something that I should do that would, you know, excel and grow my business at a faster pace. Um, but right now I'm happy where I'm at and it's mostly all been organic. Yeah. Well, and I think advertising has definitely changed over the last, you know, 10 or 15 years and maybe even more so in the last two ever since COVID uh, started. But so uh, marketing happens a lot more through social media now and you have social media presence. It's not paid, but it's mm -hmm. it's a way for you to get yourself out there. And I know you have you have Facebook, you ha you're on LinkedIn and you're actively engaged. You said you have a part-time social media manager for you. So so in a sense, you are doing advertising, but it's, yeah, it's, right. it's organic. And like you said, social media can be a very organic way for you to share what you're doing and, and connect with people that you would like to connect with in a way that, you know, isn't so-called traditional in the marketing world, I guess you could say. Agreed. Awesome. Okay, so Cooper, um, I'd like to hear a little bit more now about what you do kind of hour by hour how many how many hours do you work a day a week are you working lots of weekends and nights um tell me a little bit about that situation so i'll first say that one of my i wouldn't say pet peeves but something that i wish would change in the workforce or in the industry um of full-time um workers is i think a lot of people wear the badge on their chest saying, I work 80 hours a week and I barely sleep. And that is me. Like, that is awesome. If you can't do that, you know, you should work harder. <laughs> and I honestly thought that for a long time, Michael. Um, and I'm sad to say that I, I do work a lot, a lot more than I wish I did, but I don't wear it as a badge of honor. Instead, I think about my 70 hours that I work each week as what can I do to lower how much, you know, how many hours a week I'm working? Who can I hire to take work off my plate? Um, and so I'll, I'll first start with that, that I do work a lot, but I'm hoping that over the next year or two, I can build a team to relieve some of that work so I can work less and dedicate more time to my family and my faith and what, what I care most about. Okay. 
That makes sense. So what what do those 70 hours look like on, on a more detailed scale? Yeah. So so I generally um, start working at probably about 8.30 to 9 a.m. Um, I love being self-employed because, you know, for instance, last night, my baby did not go to sleep very well. And so it, we were up pretty late. And my wife and I didn't even set an alarm to wake up at because I knew I didn't have any meetings. I didn't have to like, you know, show that I was on Slack or Microsoft Teams. So, you know, my boss saw me online at a certain time. Um, and so I love that flexibility. So I usually start working about 8.30, 9 o'clock. And I'll usually work till about 5.30 on most days. But then when I do, because I also run the sales side, I'll also I'll usually you know, pop in for an hour or so each evening to answer emails, um, sometimes late, late meetings with clients. And then on Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, those are probably my three busiest um, gig days when I'm actually going out, DJing weddings, live streaming events. And so where the time really racks up is I work not only my full hours in the office, but then I drive to Park City to DJ a wedding and I get home at one in the morning. And so I started at 8.30 in the morning and then I get, I stop at one o'clock in the morning the next day. <laughs> right. um, yep. So so those are the long days. But to be honest, Michael, I love what I do so much. It doesn't feel like work. It literally doesn't feel like work. I love the sales. I love the marketing. I love DJing. I love live streaming. I love learning. I love growing. And so it really does not feel like work. So it doesn't bug me. Um, I think the thing that bugs me most is just I wish I had more time with my wife and my daughter. Um, so any questions about that before I kind of move on to the day to day, like actual line items? Um, you know, I think you make a great point there. Um, you started this business as a hobby, as something you enjoyed doing. And yes, it produced a little bit of income on the side. Um, but most people would be really upset if they had to work until one o'clock on a Friday night. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. But you don't because this is actually what you enjoy and you're around people that I hope you are happy to be around and you enjoy being around. And for most of the time, it's a positive experience and everybody's happy and and it's an environment that you thrive in. It fits with your personality. And, totally. and so, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. If you're putting in 20 hours on the weekend, you know, that still means you're really only working a 40 hour job during the week. So, uh, or, or something to, like that. So anyway, yeah, now, yeah, if you don't mind, jump into, you know, what do you do at the office? What, what do you have to take care of on a regular, on a regular day from 830 to five? Yeah. So the first thing that I do every morning is I have my two email accounts because my companies are totally separate. And so that's the first thing I do is I'm looking at inquiries that I received on my website. I'm responding to emails. I have questions from clients, from wedding planners, from people who want to, um, who want to collaborate on, with me. And so the first hour and a half of each day is usually just going through all my emails and making sure that I'm, that I'm responding in a timely manner to everyone because yeah. I run the sales part um, of our business. I run most of our business, but the sales part is what I really love. I have this weird fascination and there's lots of people like me who, who are fascinated at the challenge of trying to get someone to see the value in what you do and pay a premium price for it. And so I would say probably three hours of my day are spent on sales. And that does not include the emails of just general, you know, following up and being in contact with clients. But I spend about three hours following up with emails, getting on sales calls to pitch people about my live streaming services, my lighting services, my DJ services, whatever it might be. 
And then I follow up with them. I create a quote for them um, so they can see everything itemized. And so that definitely takes up a, a big chunk of my day. And then beyond that, I then have to strategize for marketing. Um, you know, right now I'm getting a bunch of banners printed out for some shows we have coming up and I've never done that before. So I'm having to contact a person here locally who I think does it. They're going to help me design it. What do I want designed? Um, these are all things that I have to tell them. So then I'm all, all of a sudden I have my marketing cap on trying to think in a strategic marketing manner. Um, and then I also have to prepare for my events. And so what really sets me apart, I think from a lot of DJs in my market is I spend a lot of time preparing for all of my weddings and corporate events, because that's how I nail it. That's how I've received just, I just passed 200 five-star reviews for my DJ company. Um, every single review is five stars. And it's because I put a ton of preparation into making sure I rock it out of the park. And so I also have to prepare for all my events and I have events every week. And so that's something I'm also um, doing as well. Um, and then beyond that, I'm also finding people to work with me. So in the production world, I'm always looking for people who freelancers who do lighting for videography, who video camera operators, live streaming technicians, um, you know, everything in between. And so even finding people to work and staff our jobs is something that I'm doing. And so I do, I do a lot. I, I do every, you know, almost everything to run our business. And my wife does a lot to help keep us afloat and does all of our taxes, all of our paying um, the people that work for us every single week. And uh, anyways, that's kind of a, a lot to say there, Michael. Um, but hopefully that gives you kind of a good idea of what my life is like. Um, and I, I really enjoy almost all of it. Yeah, there's a lot there. There's a lot to take care of. Um, but it sounds like you are pretty much the business owner and the, the sole business owner, I guess. You have people that work for you, but it doesn't sound like you have people that work for you outside of your wife that help on the business end of things. It sounds like, you know, I know you have a few people working for you, but are those people only helping out with the actual production side of things or do any of them help with the business side of of marketing or advertising or sales or creating flyers or brochures or anything like that? Yeah, that's a great question. So I'm sure you've heard of the term or the difference between working in your business and working on your business, right? Yes. So, so working in your business is you are getting all the tasks done that need to be done. Um, and so uh, unfortunately, where I'm definitely at in my business right now is where you know, a lot of my team is working in our business. So we're, we're trying to stay afloat. We're trying to keep going. Um, but I'm hoping to, to continue to work to the point where other people can work in the business for me. They can work on the marketing, right? They're, they're building my business um, and getting all those tasks done. And then I can step back and I can work on the business, creating the strategic relationships, really having that vision and overseeing the vision. Um, and so with that in mind, um, you know, my wife and our office um, assistant as well, which is a virtual assistant, you could call her. Um, she's in Arizona. I'm in Utah. Um, and she's been awesome for our company, by the way. We can we can talk more about that later if you'd like. Um, and then I have my social media manager. And so I think all of them are working in the business. Maybe my, my marketing manager is probably working on the business, I feel like, because she's producing new content that doesn't need to be there, but is helpful for us. Um, so does, it, does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. And I have a couple of follow-up questions as well. Um, 
because this is all very interesting to me. I, you know, I one day would like to be an entrepreneur myself. And the idea of opening up a business is both intimidating, but also very invigorating and exciting for me. And so for me to talk to you uh, is a privilege on my part. So thanks for sharing all these details. Uh, yeah. So my first, my first follow-up question is, you know, how much are you hiring, uh, you know, just, just, gigs how much are you hiring you know one-time contracts with people to help out with you know various aspects of of your productions and whatnot is that a common part of your business yeah so for the production world it is and for the dj world i have my one dj um who works just for me and then i'm and then i I sometimes have you know one or one or two that i hire out from other companies as well but yeah in the production world what i've learned over the past year and a half is everyone freelances in the production world. So, so very few people just stick with one company because that one company likely can't produce all the work that they need. And so, yeah, everyone freelances. So, so for example, I'm live streaming a four-day business conference in Colorado, in Denver, Colorado, in about two weeks. And so I hired someone who actually is local to Denver, who's been in the production world for 25 plus years, longer, longer than I have. And he's going to be my right you know, hand guy the entire week to make sure that the whole live stream, um, all the breakout rooms and breakout sessions go super smoothly. And I'll probably just work with him that one time and that's it. Unless I go back to Denver. Um, and in, I believe, uh, May of this year, I think we had about 22 different people work for us between both businesses, which was really crazy because we had so many different events. Um, and that was really exciting. Wow. So what are the different roles of, of subcontractors that you hire or freelancers, I guess, that you hire? Yeah. So freelancers for the, for the production company, I did mention this slightly earlier. Um, so for the production company, I'm hiring lighting technicians. Yeah. I'm hiring sound um, specialists. So people who are miking up our speakers and focusing on the sound. I'm also hiring camera operators, people who are zooming in, panning, following the, the presenter on stage. And I usually need three of those because I usually use three cameras. And then I'm also hiring a live streamer if it's not me. Um, and so those are the main roles that I'm, that I'm constantly looking for. Unfortunately, not everyone's available every time I reach out to them, which means I then have to go down the line and find someone who is available and train them. And it, it becomes a little bit of a logistical challenge, but, it, but that's kind of how the industry works. Yeah. So, it, you know, this might not make sense for the industry, but is, is that a role you're wanting to fill internally? Are you wanting to have full-time, you know, Zoom operators or is that just not logistical for, for your company? Yeah, so I don't think um, those smaller roles will will need full time. I, I wish my business was doing that well that I could do it, um, and maybe someday if it gets there, then yes. But I think right now my my next hire will basically be um, a VP of operations, so somebody who is staffing all of our events, who is looking for more events, and is honestly, you know, doing what I'm doing. But, um, you know, focusing on the growth of the company, working on the business. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think, I think that's, what I'm, that's where I'm trying to go. But to be honest, I'm so overwhelmed with how much work that I have right now that the really important, crucial next step of hiring someone is, like, put on the back burner. Because I'm just, I'm just trying to stay afloat right now. I'm just trying to get things done, which is why we're talking here late at night, right? Um, and yeah. so, and so it, it's hard. Being an entrepreneur is fun, Michael, and I, I, I enjoy it. But there are some things that are really challenging and stressful. And and that's one of them is I know I've needed to hire someone for six months now, but I just haven't had the time to to do it. It's crazy. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it takes a lot of work to find the right person, right? You got to go through a lot of people. You've got to talk to people. You've got to make sure that they're a match for the, for the company, for, for the culture that you've established within your group. So uh, yeah, that's not a small, small task. And then to get them trained up is, you know, that's only the beginning. Then you've got to get everyone, you've got to get them trained up. You got to get them on board and they have to kind of figure out, you know, how they're going to add value to your company. Yeah. And so I want to go back a few minutes. Sorry to kind of take us a little off topic, but you mentioned how you want to be an entrepreneur. Something that I wish I would have known, you know, in college is that to be an entrepreneur, you don't need to be creating some big business, you know, that does 5 million, you know, in revenue every single year and, you know, is scaling and is a, you know, has great angel investors and, you know, people pushing a bunch of money into your company. You don't need to have that type of company to be an entrepreneur. I think some of the most happy entrepreneurs, um, including myself, to be honest, are the small entrepreneurs, the guys and girls who, you know, have five people working for them and three of them are part-time, right? Um, To start a business and be an entrepreneur, you can make phenomenal money, having a small business. You don't need to make it some massive thing. I mean, I'm very proud of our income level um, right now. Very proud of it. And uh, and our business is like one and a half, you know, I guess we have like, you know, if you add up my wife and our two that are part-time, I guess it's like two people full-time. Um, but we're doing great and we're just a small, small company. And so if you guys are thinking about a business, don't feel like the pressure to be like your friends on LinkedIn who are starting these magnificent gigantic businesses. Just do something small and uh, and you'll do great. I appreciate that. Well thanks for that advice, Cooper. I really I really like that and I think that's very sound advice. In fact, I think that's that's better than sound. I think if you're trying to start a business, you need to start small. Don't get this grand idea where you need a hundred thousand dollars to get started and you don't even know if it's gonna work out at all. That, that's where a lot of risk comes in. You gotta start small, prove your idea, prove that something's gonna work, and then grow from there. And that's what you've done. You've just started something on the side, grown it organically, and sure enough, it's it's turning out to be something wonderful and uh, you know, that'll hopefully provide for you and your family for a long time to come. And and a huge bonus of that, by the way, of doing it on the side is you can experiment. You can invest money into, you know, some part of your business that you want to try out. And if it fails, you've still got your full-time income, uh, your full-time job. And so you, and so it's a lot less stressful. And so, you know, even in my three and a half years of working at Lucid Software, every single year, my DJ income matched my my full-time income and every year I got raises at my full-time job too. And so it was cool to see, you know, my business keeping up with my full-time income. Um, and it allowed me to experiment and to, you know, do some things with my part-time um, company because it wasn't my sole income. And so I think there's actually some great benefits to just starting with something on the side and growing it as best you can while also maintaining a full-time job. Yeah. Great advice. I like it a lot. Thanks for sharing. So I, my second follow-up question from a while ago is how did you develop a pricing model for your business? This is kind of uncharted territory when you started getting into it, right? Yeah. And it's fairly specialized and, and you know, I'm sure it's hard to do some research on what these things cost and what people are willing to pay. So how did you, how did you figure that out? And I'm sure you're continually figuring that out. The best way to find out what people are willing to pay 
is to throw out numbers and see what people say yes to. Um, literally, that's what I did, Michael. I had no clue. And I didn't really start talking to other production companies until a few months in. And so I just started throwing out numbers. And I said, you know what? Like, you know, I think if I'm going to live stream a wedding ceremony for 30 minutes, I think I should charge $1,400. I think, you know, it's a very unique service. My my cameras are $3,000 each. I'm bringing three of them. That's how much I would want to take home if I'm spending, you know, my Friday early evening, you know, somewhere else. Um, and so I did that. And then when it came to like corporate events, I just thought to myself, you know what, like, um, I think for $5,000 for, uh, you know, for a, a corporate live stream is reasonable. I don't, I don't know why. I just thought, I think that's reasonable. And so I started charging that and people would say yes. And some people would say no. And some people would say, oh, that's it. And I'm like, oh, I should have charged more. Um, and so I honestly just kind of thought it out of like what I thought it was worth. And when I quoted people and I saw their reactions, it kind of gave me a good understanding if, if I was in the right, you know, realm or not. Um, and what's cool is months later, and even I've just gotten a phone call with another big live streaming production company out of New York. Um, and I tell them what I'm charging. Um, you know, they've, they've been in the business for 25 years and they're like, yeah, that's almost exactly what we're charging Cooper. And I'm proud because I'm charging these prices only being a year, year and a half into this industry. And it's very similar to the pricing models of companies around the country who've been in this industry for 25 years. Um, and so something that I learned, Michael, was through my other, through my DJ company, is you don't necessarily need to ramp up your number and, you know, to get more clients. If you charge a premium, people are going to feel like you're worth a premium. So as long as you have a good product or a good service, don't be afraid just to charge what it really is worth and not just, you know, slowly raise the price up over a few years. Yeah. And th that's a real issue for especially small business owners that are used to doing their friends a service or giving a discount to their to their mother and, and things like that. A lot of people have a hard time charging full price uh, for their service and for their time, especially when it's growing organically, right? Through your friends and, you know, you want to give your friends a discount and you want to, you know, cut them some slack and whatnot. And especially if you know their financial situation. And anyway, I could go on and on about this, but it's very hard for some people to charge full price. And full price needs to take into account your time as well as, you know, all the products that you bring to the table um, and your equipment that maybe people are renting, uh, you know, in quotes, renting. Mm -hmm. um, you you know you, you can't be afraid to charge what you what you know you're worth and it sounds like you've had no problem doing that but I'm sure it was almost a little bit weird feeling for you at first to to throw out that big number and you're like oh am I really worth that much did you ever have uh, imposter yeah. syndrome <laughs> it was tell it was so true Michael and then like you know some of these tech companies hired me and I'm like do they like you know, they, they would book with me and, and then I'd turn to my wife and tell her like how much I booked it for and what the client is. And she would get nervous for me. She's like, Cooper, she's like, are you sure you can do that? Are you like, can you handle that? <laughs> and, uh, and so a lot of, of what I did, by the way, is I would say yes to things, you know, a company would come up and say, Cooper, we want to, you know, live stream this and we want, you know, to show the presenters faces, you know, on the screens as well as have people zoom in and we'll have them on the screen too. And I'd be like, yeah, we can do it. When in reality, I, I did not know at that moment how to do it, but I knew if I spent a lot of time learning and researching that I could make it happen. And so there's definitely some stress 
you know, that comes in when you book a client and you don't currently offer that service, but because you book that client, you then dive deep into that particular um, area and then you master it. And now all of a sudden you have a new service or product you can offer other people. Yeah. That's, that, that's that, that's happened to me so many times over the year, Michael. I say yes to something because I know I can figure it out. And then it becomes something that I master and I offer to other people afterwards. So don't be afraid for those of you listening to uh, say yes and then figure it out after you say yes. Yeah, it's 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 a little bit of the imposter syndrome. But, you know, if 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 you know you're good at learning and you know you know how to figure it out, why not say yes? Take a chance. Make it happen. Believe in yourself, yeah. right? I mean, that's what you've described is you've just believed in yourself and you've been able to make it happen. And it sounds like, you know, you're definitely a work. uh, I was going to say a workaholic, but I don't want to say a workaholic. You you have a good work ethic is a better way of saying that. And, and because of your work ethic, you're able to, you know, produce results that your clients are proud of. They're happy about. And that's why you keep getting five-star reviews and that's why you're growing at the rate that you're growing. So congratulations on all of that. Thank you. And, and to answer this, the, the pricing question also for my DJ company, um, so my prices have just gone up and up and up with DJing. I've, you know, here, you know, in Utah and in most areas of the world, a lot of DJs are part-time. So I'm competing against, you know, 3% of the market of DJs being full-time like me and the other 97% being part-timers, which I was for, for many, many years. And so because of that, I have to charge prices that support my family and can pay for uh, health insurance <laughs> um, and pay for my home mortgage and other DJs, most of them don't have those same bills that they have to pay because they have also a full-time job, right? So I've just raised my prices more and more and really made my my brand, the Coop, DJ Cooper Brown, One Above Entertainment, a premium brand where people want me as their MC and DJ. And because of that, they're willing to pay a premium for it. And so I've continued to raise my prices, continued to increase my skills and my marketing um, appearance. Um, And I think that's been really a great lesson for me to learn with my DJ company is you determine the value of your service or product. And if you can really differentiate, differentiate yourself from those in your market, then you can charge a premium and just get those premium clients and they will be willing to book it um, or will, will be willing to hire you. And so it's been neat. I think, I think I'm probably a, a, a leader in the pricing market for DJs here in Utah. I probably am in the top 1% um, of DJs who charge the most here in Utah. And I'm proud of that. It's been really hard to get here. I've had to learn and master sales and really learn, you know, how to, how to show clients the unique value they're getting from me. And it's been a really cool experience that I'm really, really proud of. Well, that's good. And that that's the right model for you seeing as you're so busy, right? Yeah. If, if you weren't busy, you would drop your prices, take more jobs just to get more income. But because you're already so busy, you don't want to lower your prices and be overly booked and overly busy with lower producing jobs. You want to stay um, at that high price point. So when you do take a client, it's it's a good client. It's who you want to be servicing. So that makes sense for your life circumstances right now. Well done. Thank you. Well, is there is there anything else you'd like to say? Or, you know, if not, we can kind of start to look outwards and and wrap things up here. Yeah. um, 
I would, uh, yeah, before we kind of uh, hit the last part of, of this podcast, I guess my advice would, to anybody else who's listening who currently has an idea or maybe doesn't even have an idea and just has that drive and adrenaline to start and create something, just do whatever you have in mind or come up with some small idea and actually do it. I think so many people have ideas and 99% of them just don't have the confidence to put it out there. So if you want to, you know, sew little rice bags that you warm up in the microwave and sell them on Etsy or sell them to people in your neighborhood, just do it. Like even though it's a silly idea, just do it because once you start down the path of making money and of pursuing something that you think is cool, it'll open up more ideas, more opportunities. It'll give you so much more confidence and you will be in the one percentile of people who actually follow through on an idea that they love. And so if you got an idea, guys, put a few hundred bucks into it, just do it. And, uh, and I think you'll be very pleasantly surprised at how well it can go. Awesome advice. There is definitely a niche market for everything out there. It's incredible. And if you can establish yourself as a resource in that niche market, and you know how to tap into that, that resource, that market, you'll do great. You'll do great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, One, one unique idea that I've seen Michael recently that, uh, I think is such an interesting little niche in a market is, you know, being a new parent, I'm seeing that parents love buying like necklaces that have an imprint of their baby's, you know, fingerprint. And those things sell for like 70 bucks. And my wife did a bunch of research on it recently and learned that the silver and the um, thumb printable, you know, metal is actually just a few dollars and they're selling it for 70 to a hundred bucks. Um, and so if you're interested in jewelry or something like that, there's, there's definitely a way to, to mark up your product, uh, to where you can get a really nice, you know, profit from it. And because this world has billions of people on it, you know, there's going to be a market most likely, even if you have a very niche, um, service or product. Absolutely. And you, you're, you're spot on parents. I'm a parent. I have two children ages five and three and you know, because I'm in that that world, I see what other parents do for their children. And one of the biggest ones that I thought, you know, we should have gotten into several years ago is those blankets with the one month through 12 month on it. And you put a yeah. little circle and you take a picture of your baby on the blanket. <laughs> with, you know, that's a big industry. Yeah. People people pay a lot for those little blankets with the numbers one through 12 written on it. It's so true. You know, and that's just one example. People love to buy little cakes for their one-year-old to smash and dig into, right? You probably just did that with your little kid, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, There's so many things like that, you know, just depending on where you are in life and what markets you're in and what you're interested in, there's always, you know, something that can be improved in that market. And the the real advocates for that market will be interested in it. And it's just a matter of, of being savvy enough to stay on top of the market needs and knowing, you know, what people will value. Um, I'm also a big board gamer and we follow some board game, you know, pages and groups and we see all sorts of weird little board game things that take off because it's just, it's just what the board game market needs at the time. And it's really interesting to see um, these small businesses grow 
and produce products that may seem silly to most, but really add value to to that particular market. And you know what you're doing is cool because it's not really even a niche market. I mean, maybe it was at a time, but live production and streaming services, that's a huge market. That's that's a market that we didn't know about a year and a half ago, uh, but that really exploded in our faces and you've been able to take advantage of that. So, thank you. You know, it's awesome to to hear your story. So, um you know, what what type of person does it take uh, to be an entrepreneur? What are some of the qualities of, uh, you know, that people need to have in order to be somebody like you one day? I think the first quality would be passion. Now, I don't think that it requires a person to be intrinsically passionate about life and about everything. I think it requires passion about an idea about a service, about um, some type of, you know, positive impact they can make on the world in whatever realm or industry it might be. And so the, the passion of finding something that you love and enjoy will make it so it doesn't feel like work. Now, I have, I have some friends or I've seen some people who have companies or services that are not very sexy. Um, they're not like the things that, that you'd like, wow, I want to start a company like that. Um, but they're, they're passionate about running their company and they're passionate about, you know, having awesome employees. And so I'd say the first thing is just be passionate about something that you enjoy. Um, that, that'd be the first thing. Um, and then second, I think it would be the ability to work hard and to understand that you have to be patient with it. And so I have, I've worked hard, you know, ever since I was 16 on this business and I maybe wish I was in a even better place than I am now or different parts of my business. I wish things had gone differently, um, but I worked as hard as I could and I was patient with myself in the sense that when I made mistakes or when I lost a, a sale I just forgave myself and I moved on because it was a learning experience. And so I'm very grateful for being an entrepreneur because it's provided me a lot of learning opportunities that I don't think you get working for, you know, someone else. And so I think those are the two, two biggest things is be passionate about something that you can make into your business. And number two is just work hard and, you know, be patient with yourself as you're learning to run a company and making mistakes and also being successful at the same time. Nice. That's great advice. And I think everyone needs to hear that. Everyone that's interested, I guess. Uh, that's a great piece of advice. Well, anyway, Cooper, it's been a great chat this evening. Um, I, I appreciate the time you've taken to, to talk with me today. And I feel very inspired and lifted. I, I want to go, you know, go out there and change the world now, now that I've talked to Cooper Brown. Um, <laughs> So thank thank you again for being here. If if somebody is interested in in learning more about you, or they want to talk to you maybe in person, uh, how would they be able to reach out to you best? Absolutely. So I'm I'm totally down to talk to people who are interested, um, who need a bit of advice. Um, you can reach out to me by either of my two companies. So my DJ company is called One Above Entertainment, and that's on Instagram at One Above Entertainment. And my, my URL is oneabovedj.com. Um, on LinkedIn, I'm Cooper Brown. 
And then my production company is Charisma Event Productions. That's at the C-H, Charisma Event Productions.com. And then on Instagram, it's the same thing, Charisma Event Productions. So if anybody wants to reach out, I'd be happy to chat. Um, and uh, like we mentioned at the very beginning of this podcast, uh, be interested. And, uh, you know, I'd be happy to talk to you about what I love. Yep. That's that's it. Everybody loves to talk about what they what they do best. So, all right. Thank you, Cooper. You have a good night. Yeah, thanks, Michael. You too.